Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode of Long Night with Bish Khanna was recorded live at the Great Hall in Toronto on Friday, November 13th, 2015. Coming to you live from the Great Hall in Toronto, Canada, it's Long Night with Bish Khanna! It's our thrill to introduce our first guest of the uh, program. He's a contributor to the Toronto Star, Torontoist, and Canada Land, and he's a host on News Talk 1010, and he's uh, one of the most significant journalists in this city. We're pleased to have him. Please make some noise for Desmond Cole. Nice to see you. Oh, I wish your microphone was on. And that this wasn't such a shit show. Hello. There you are. There we go. Hey, hey, everybody. (laughs) Hey, yo. Nice to have you here. It's nice to be here. Now, when's the last time you did something so crappy? Because you you have ascended to a level now where you probably don't have to deal with... I mean, I don't even understand the lighting here tonight. Has anyone figured that part out? I'm are actually, we at Epcot Center or something? Like, what? Are we inside a microphone? What is this? I don't get it. I'm not trying to be insulting. I guess I'm trying very hard to be insulting, but... <laughs> have you done anything like this? Uh, have you been on a, a live talk show before? I have never been on a live talk show inside a microphone, no. No. Um, you know what, though? I've never been... Hands up, just everybody in the audience who's never been down in this room before. Because I didn't even know this shit existed, and it's blowing my mind. Now, the story of this room is that... Now, I've heard different stories, but one of the stories I've heard is that this used to be an old YMCA, and that this was uh, the part of the... This was a gym. And someone said that this might have been where James Naismith invented basketball. Inside Epcot Center. 
I, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think he was in Indiana when he invented basketball. What? No, no, that's Larry Bird. Larry Bird didn't invent <laughs> basketball. People always taking credit for basketball. No, I've, I've heard all of those things about this room. What, do you, I know it's weird to, it's a weird room. I like it though. You like it? Yeah. Now where are you, are you from Toronto? Um, originally, no. I mean, I grew up in Oshawa. Oh! Yeah, 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 do that, do that. Um, born in Red Deer, Alberta, but grew up in Oshawa. Red Deer, Alberta, Red wow. Deer, Alberta. What was your upbringing like there? I was, only, I was only there for five and a half years, so like the only thing I remember, like clear memory of it, well, I have a few, but one distinct memory of Red Deer is like going out into the snow, sticking my boot into this huge, huge pile of snow, and then pulling my boot back out without a, my foot back out without a boot or sock. Oh. And starting to cry very hard. <laughs> That's all I remember. Red Deer is a, it's like a blue collar town, isn't it? It's like a, is it a logging town? No, it, it's between Edmonton and um, in Calgary. And you know, it's grown a lot since I've left it. Okay. But um, you know, everybody in Alberta has been benefiting from all of the kind of oil wealth that's been going around there. Right, so right. You just, you just kind of like, whatever oil tycoons do, like run around with funny hats and like play Monopoly. I don't know what they do, but. Yeah, I think that's what they do. That's exactly that's what right. They do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> now, Alberta is actually, what did you make of the NDP uh, election there? I thought it was really interesting. 42 years of having the same government yeah. almost, you know. Maybe time for a change? I don't know. <laughs> but um, no, it's good. Think change can be good. I also don't think that that party is as radical as a lot of people think that they are, else they wouldn't have gotten elected. Yeah. Well, yeah. they had that, uh, I mean, it's a different thing, but they had the Wild Rose Party when I, the they last time I was there. That. And that seems That's a brilliant name for a political party, by the way. Wild Rose? Yeah. Why? Why? Because it doesn't mean anything, but it sounds so fucking cool. <laughs> Like a, it's like a motorcycle gang or something. <laughs> I mean, I know what it's meant to symbol, signify, right? Which is this kind of fierce independence. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very smart marketing. Right. Yeah. Now, you've never been in this room, so I can't imagine what you do for fun in Toronto. Can you tell us, like, what's a, what do you do for fun here? Is there something in particular? No. You don't have fun? No, never. You I never, make it a rule never You never anything. go out and have a good time? No. Other aspects of the city? Because I know you write a lot about the city. Like, what, how do no. you feel about the tone in the city right now? No, I actually have been here 11 years, and I feel like Toronto is just getting more exciting all the time that I'm here. You know, like, starting to loosen up a little bit in the city of Toronto. A little bit. Every, every year, things get a little bit better. I mean, I like just everything from hanging out in the market during the summertime. I like, um, I very much enjoyed the Jays this season. Right, that sure. That was a lot of fun. Right. I'm a baseball player from very little, very young age, so that was awesome. I went to a few Jays games this year. Um, I like our natural parts of Toronto. So, like, I like the Humber River. Yep. You know, and I like the Rouge Valley, and I like the Dawn and Sunnyside. I people are just that. cheering for bodies of water. That's nice. Fuck yeah. Uh-huh. No, we're lucky to have a city like that where yeah. we have all of this natural beauty. I, I think we take that for granted sometimes. Now, we recently had an uh, election and uh, people were appointed to things. People lost the, their, their positions. What do you make of what happened in the most recent uh, election in terms of how it might impact the tone of, uh, of this city in particular? Um, 
Well, this city went completely liberal, so enjoy your monopoly. Um, you know, I thought, first of all, the, the thing that struck me the most about this election was how fucking racist it was, you know? And I say that really seriously, like, you can't be a little bit racist. You can't be kind of racist. You can't be racist but then have some other things on offer that maybe are all right. I think racism is supposed to be a deal breaker. And a third, yeah, you can applaud that, that's yeah. cool. A third of our country voted for an extremely racist and xenophobic campaign. Now, when I say that, white people come in my Twitter and they go, oh, you're saying that a third of people in the country are racist and that's ridiculous. No, no, I'm saying you supported a racist campaign, which is evidentiary. Like, there's nothing to dispute about that. Yeah. That shit was racist. Yeah. It was xenophobic. It relied on hatred and fear of other people. And I'm sad that that wasn't a deal breaker for one third of the country. How do you translate that sadness into some kind of action? I know you, your role, I mean, how would you describe your role in this city? You write about issues like this. Yeah. And what is, what is your, have you seen any shift or change? Have you heard from people who have said, wow, I read that thing and man, I had never thought of it that way. Do you get that? All the time. I, I, I think our city and our country are hungry for progressive-minded people and dare I say, like, hard left, uh, you know, off of the political spectrum that we normally have kind of people to challenge and to say things that are really direct. And that's what I try to do, you right. know what I mean? Because, you know, the conservative elements of this country always say the most direct things. They get to the point. They don't always necessarily worry about the large crowd, they worry about their base. The left side of this country doesn't have a base. They abandon their base every time they want to run an election, thinking, oh, those guys will hang around. And they try to go after some other voters. Right. So I'm not part of a political party, so I don't have that responsibility. I can say whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> and I try to. And, you know, it's an honor. It's an honor to challenge people and to get read and to get followed and, and to have people challenge me back and say, I don't know if I agree with you on that, and then we can have a, a conversation. Do people, do people actually write to you to say that I, well, they'll say I don't agree that the thing you're talking about is actually racist? Is that what they say? Like, how do they argue that? Well, people don't understand what racism is, Vish, so it's really hard. They think that racism, can I say anything I want on this podcast? Of course. Okay, y'all ready? <laughs> no, they think that racism means that I'm walking down the street and um, some guy who has a pickup truck full of crosses to burn in the back, you know, and, and has a swastika tattoo comes up and says, hey, nigga, what's going on? You fucking nigger. You're, you're that's what people think racism is. Um, it's not. That's, that's obviously quite racist. And if you ever see anyone I'm doing that... I'm pretty sure what you just said is racist. Call, call the police if you ever see someone doing that. You should get help immediately. Just to clarify, like that was totally racist, the example. <laughs> um, I was going to say I can't be racist because I'm black, but you don't have enough time for me to get into that. No, so. no, I, I have immunity too. I can say whatever <laughs> I want. 
I can do whatever I want. Um, I, I mean, I personally, growing up in, in southern Ontario, I've experienced racism. I experienced racism going to university, you know, I, and I know at some point, like, I don't know what happened, but I kind of just got used to it. And that's a dangerous thing when you a, get complacent uh, on some level. Um, but what, what I think we get complacent about is that racism doesn't look like the dude with the pickup truck full of crosses ready to burn and the swastika tattoo saying the N-word. No, it's um, the university professor asking you on a perfectly normal essay, normal, if English is your first language. Mm. And you having to say, what are you talking about? I'm in my third year. I'm a straight-A student. Like, what the fuck? Right. So racism, I don't, I guess, you know, it's a difficult thing to, for people to accept that this country might be racist because that's not how we view ourselves. We killed indigenous people and stole their land. Of course we're racist. Like, well, how can anyone in Canada argue that the system that we have, we all just voted, right? Well, Until 1960, well, not all of us, but many right. of us did. Uh, we, voter turnout went way up this year, and I think that, that was actually yeah, no, a great I thing. Yeah, no, I think we, a lot but, of us did. But we live in a country where, until 1961, if you were First Nations, you had to give up your status as First Nations to be allowed to vote. Right. How can people say we don't live in a racist country? Or then they want to say that that was a long time ago, but there's more, resident, there's more children, indigenous children, in the care of the state now than there was during residential schools. Did you all know that? Did you guys know that there are more indigenous people in this country in the care of the state today who've been taken away from their parents than there were during the residential schools that we all hear about. More. Of course we live in a racist country. Yeah. So I don't say that with any pride. I don't say that as a celebration or as a way of making people feel bad. I say that because the only way to change it is to talk about it. That's the only reason I do what I do. I think those of us who are, use social media will see some measures of progress uh, or things that appear to be progress, and usually it's some kind of government-issued progress. Sometimes. But then you'll see a wave of discontent about the progress. Yeah, the backlash. Right, or, or not, not even backlash from people who are against maybe a policy shift or a perspective shift, but people who think that's not enough. Mm. And that can be exhausting too. How do you reconcile that? The idea that, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That's a very good question. I'm one of those people who's never satisfied. Right. And I'm one of those people who often I think when people think we've scored a great victory, I'm still critical. You know, I get people, oh, come on. I'm like, you know, you're ever happy? And no, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not, not going to let my foot off the gas pedal because there's so much work to do. But at the same time, I do try to celebrate when something good happens. So for example, um, I wrote a piece about uh, my experiences as a black man in this city and in this country for Toronto Life in May. And you know, th thank you. That piece got a lot of really wonderful attention and I was grateful for that. Um, one of the things I talked about in that piece was police carding. Right. And this is the practice by the police of stopping people who are not suspected of any crime and taking down their personal information and putting it in this huge database. And this has happened to me dozens of times. And unfortunately, we live in a country, so when you talk about racism, unfortunately, there's a huge segment of the population that thinks that a black person walking down the street, especially at night, or especially in a poor neighborhood, can't be innocent. 
that there always is a good reason to just check them out, stop them, make right. sure that right. they're not about to, you know, I don't know, rob a liquor store and eat some babies or something. Like, it, it, it's really insulting, but that's the way that policing works in our city. Um, we've been fighting to try and expose this practice. The Toronto Star did an unbelievable series about this in 2012 called Known to Police, where they really exposed what was going on. And just a couple of weeks ago, the provincial government finally said, you know, we haven't had any rules about carding. We have a law, but we don't have any specific rules to direct the police. And we're gonna make some rules for the first time so that people being arbitrarily stopped and documented in their street is brought to an end. And I think that that's something worth celebrating. Yeah. Now, I will also be the first one to say that I'm not naive. And I know that the police want to continue this practice, they've all said it, right. and that making a rule will not stop the most powerful force, one of the most powerful, I can't think really of a more influential lobby in this country than the police. The police get whatever they want. The city of Toronto is being asked, every department right now is being asked to take a 2% cut in their, in, in their budgets. The police just got a more than 2% increase right. in their budget, while everyone else in the city, every other department is being asked to make a cut. Right. So they are very influential, and I'm not gonna believe that just because we make some rules that they're gonna stop. Mm -hmm. But it is a victory. We have been able to tell our stories. We've been able to get people in the public on side and concerned, and there's more awareness now, and there's more movement against this now than there's ever been. So I do try to celebrate those good moments. Now you have many platforms with which to express yourself and obviously you have some fans here tonight and people who read what you say yeah, yeah, yeah. and hear what you say. What would you hope that, I mean obviously it's a case by case basis, but what would you hope that people receiving your message do with it? Just, I want people desperately to do something rather than doing nothing. And I've been very blessed, especially these last six months, to get my messages out about the activism that I do, right? And I know that sometimes that prompts people to be like, you know what, I, I even have people come up and tell me, Desmond, I'm so happy that you're out there. I'm so happy that you're out there fighting all these great things. I'm like, yeah, where are you at? Like, what are you doing? I'm happy that I'm out here too, are you gonna help me? Right. Because I can't do it all by myself. And me being out there on the news and being visible is not the victory that I hope we're all looking for. We're looking for justice for everybody in so many different ways. And so I hope, if anything, what I do encourages people to do something. Whether that is challenging racism, homophobia, transphobia, sexism, in their own friend circles, whether that is seeing an interaction between somebody and the police on the street and stopping to make sure that that person is okay, whether that's writing a letter to their member of provincial parliament and being like, stop taking down people's information by the police when there's no reason to do so, just do something, do something. You know, get involved and be part of this movement because just a few of us being out here um, is not enough. And educate yourself. I had to educate myself. Yeah. When I was in high school, I was the person, or sorry, when I was in university, I was laughing at the people who were getting on the bus from, I went to Queens, and I was laughing at people who would get on the bus from Kingston to go to Toronto to participate in protests. That was actually me. 
You laughed at them? I, I was like, why are you all wasting your time going to go get arrested in another city? Like, just settle down. <laughs> right. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to go along to get along. What was the, I mean, we, we're running out of time here, but what was, this is hard to, to, to probably say succinctly, but what was the trigger point for you? What shifted you from the guy laughing at the protesters to the Desmond Cole you are right now? Um, you know, I got, I told this story, it's not the only thing, but one of the things was, I got stopped by the police in Kingston a lot, and that never happened to me in Oshawa growing up. I never had any problem with the police in my hometown, ever. And maybe it was because like, I was the only black guy, and they're like, yo, his mom's gonna know we're fucking with him, so like, leave him alone. But, like, <laughs> I went to Kingston, and one night I was walking home, and I walked through that proverbial alleyway. You know people actually like walk through laneways in the city? You can drive through a laneway and no one thinks you're suspicious, but you can't walk through one for right. some reason. And I was just walking home behind a pizza shop and I got stopped by two police officers and um, you know, I thought I was gonna die. I didn't know what was going on and I thought if these guys wanna do something to me right now, no one's gonna know about it. I started realizing really quickly that there are some things worth fighting for. And I didn't wanna get killed on my university campus just trying to get an education. So I started learning how to speak out. I came to Toronto, I started working at a drop-in center for homeless young people. Started speaking out a little bit more. It was a progression. Okay. And, and now I just can't shut up. Well, moments ago, sure, yeah. Moments ago, you said that you want people to rise up with you. You know, you kind of hinted that you might feel a bit uh, alone on some level uh, with this struggle. Are you, you're putting yourself out here a lot. Are mm -hmm. you ever fearful? Fearful? Just for your own safety or anything like that? You know, a lot of people talk, and I'm not afraid of people who talk. I've actually had people who've been committed enough in the last little while to put a stamp on an envelope and send me some hate mail. Like, it's dedication, you know? Um, anybody who follows me on Twitter and sees how I interact with people knows that I have some haters out there. Um, those people don't scare me, because people, people, a lot of people want to talk. Yeah, sure. But honestly, Vish, after being stopped dozens of times by dudes who are armed, who have the right to kill you mm -hmm. and walk away without anything happening to them, I'm not scared of anything anymore. I'm not afraid. I'm ready to go. Okay. What's, uh, what, what's coming up next for you? What are your, I know you just put out uh, an, an article of yours was posted, was it this week? Yeah, every week yeah. in the Toronto Star. Every Every week, right. Yeah. So what's, what are you working on right now? Uh, well, I got a very interesting one coming up that I can't tell you about because it's going to be a big news story, hopefully next week. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm... You know, I write a weekly column with the star. Um, I'm really, actually really excited about 25,000 Syrian refugees coming to this country. I'm super excited about that, you know? And um, I was on a plane recently. I got the chance to go to Vancouver and Yellowknife last week. Never been to Yellowknife in my life. By the way, everybody go to Yellowknife. It's so amazing and beautiful, and there's like a crazy arts community out there. I love Yellowknife. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Mosquitoes the size of softballs. <laughs> I didn't go in the, in the, in the summer. summer. In the summer. Yeah, but then you have the. That'd be minus, weird if there were winter mosquitoes. Well, it's the minus 40 wind that you have yeah, to worry yeah, about yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah. But anyway, 
I was out there, and I was coming home on a plane, and I was watching a news program about the refugees coming here. And they purposely put on a dude who I've actually had on my Canada Land Commons pro podcast before, because, just because he was angry. And because he was like, ah, I think this is wrong-headed, and where are we going to put him? And we can't even take care of the people that we have here. And I'm really learning, as much as I love to rumble with anybody, that in a situation like this, where we got vulnerable people coming to our country, what we got to just do is drown out those people with love. And we got to shame them for not wanting to do this wonderful thing and to participate in this incredible opportunity that we got coming up. Yeah. We are going to support people who could literally have died if they didn't have a chance to come to this country and hopefully help them to build a better life with us. So uh, I'm gonna be talking about that on my radio show this nice. Sunday and I'm hopefully gonna be writing better in the future and I just, that's another one of those things, like get involved. Like, bring the fruit basket to the Syrian refugee neighborhood family that you find out is around the corner from you. For real, reach out. Like, this is a wonderful, wonderful thing that we're doing, and we all have a chance to be a part of it. Nice. Ladies and gentlemen. You can follow Desmond on Twitter, at Desmond Cole, right? That's correct. Desmond, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, you so much for being What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Being on long night. You can stick around maybe. Stick around yeah, a bit? Around. Okay, sure. But we're going to take a little commercial break. When we come back, Matt Collins is going to do some stand-up for you. Stick around. The 14th Annual State of the Mall Benefit Concert is taking place at the E-Bar in Guelph on Saturday, December 19th. This year's edition features a reunion show by Evan Gordon and the Sad Clowns and a normal show by Blimp Rock. Plus the improv comedy stylings of The Making Box and stand-up comedy by Nick Flanagan. All proceeds benefit the Canadian Cancer Society towards leukemia research in memory of Sharon Marshall. Tickets are only available at the door and are $8 with a non-perishable food donation for the Guelph Food Bank and $10 without. The show starts at 10 p.m. and is all ages, but the E-Bar, located at 41 Quebec Street, is not a wheelchair-accessible venue. For more info, please visit vishkana.com or bookshelf.ca. Otherwise, stay out of the mall on Saturday, December 19th.
We're back, everybody. How's it going? Uh, I just want to say once again, how about a round of applause for Desmond Cole for being here? A couple of quick long night announcements about next month on December 3rd. We're not doing a long night show, but uh, Long Winter will be at the AGO for uh, another first Thursday. And I will be hosting an improv comedy hour. I won't really be hosting it. I'll be getting out of the way. It'll be run by the Making Box Brigade, Renegade Breakfast, and Deadpan PowerPoint. And then we're back here, presumably under better lighting, on December 12th. Uh, with Casey Messia, the host of The Doc Project on CBC and uh, singer in Obiju. We also have uh, the comedy stylings of Matt O'Brien and uh, Denise Benson will be here as well to talk about her new work. So that is coming up next month. We'll see you all here. All right, my next guest is a, uh, well, he's known as a musician in Toronto primarily. He used to play in bands like Ninja High School and uh, Dutch. And he runs a comedy show called Mega Crazy Crazy Frenzy. Every, that's what it's called. Every second Tuesday of the month at the Garrison, the next one's on December 8th. He's here to perform some stand-up. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Matt Collins. Thanks, thanks. Let's hear it for the bicycles again. So a little bit about me, I'm a dad, and I'm 37 years old. So it's about time for me to get into Wilco. <laughs> the funny thing is my son's two, I have a two-year-old son, and uh, it's crazy, once you have a kid, um, time feels different. For instance, I feel like it was only yesterday <laughs> that I took two weeks off work because he was born. And uh, when I got back to work, one of my coworkers in the office said, oh, what was it like? Was it intense? Did your wife scream? And I was like, that's an appropriate question. And I was like, no way. What you think would be the most intimate, intense experience of your life was actually totally laid back. We brought strangers in from the lobby and my wife did impressions. <laughs> she did if a sandwich had vocal cords. She did a blender blending another blender. She did Tom Waits trying to get a Kinko's employee's attention. <laughs> right before my son was born, my parents took my wife and I out to dinner and uh, at an opportune moment, my mom was like, okay, what's the big secret? What are you gonna name him? And I said, well, it's not a secret, mom. We're gonna name him Wild. We're gonna name him Wild. And my mom went, ugh. How about Bjarni? They're really terrible at names. My middle name is Breeden because that's what my parents were doing when they had me. And I know that that's the case because my brother's middle name is Juice Newton album in the parking lot after the 9 p.m. showing of Excalibur. Two-year-olds are funny. All summer long, my son, my son wore the same outfit all summer. It was uh, track pants, a long-sleeved shirt, a bucket hat, and running shoes. Like his style vibe was a 50-year-old man who's worried about getting Lyme disease. 
The other thing that's funny about being a parent is that non-parents give you weird advice, like what their opinion of parenting should be like, you know? Like uh, one of my friends told me like, when I have a kid, I'm not gonna tell him about Santa Claus because I don't want to lie about anything to him. I don't want to tell any lies to my kid. And I was like, cool, your, your kid's gonna be one of the no Santa Claus kids. You're gonna rob him of the 10 good Christmases? It's really great that I know that about your kid now because when I was in school, the no Santa Claus kid was also the rap tape with swearing kid, the off-season fireworks kid. And then as a grown-up, he was the security guard with a martial arts reel that he filmed in LA adult. When I was about uh, 19, I was walking home with a friend of mine from a party, and we were both fairly drunk, and we were walking up uh, those streets near the university where the frat houses are. They're all tree-lined and beautiful. It was a wonderful summer night. As we were walking up the street, we noticed a bunch of frat boys standing underneath a tree, looking up into the tree, yelling. So we went to check it out. And what was going on was two raccoons were fighting in the tree. And one raccoon had control of the branch and the other raccoon was hanging on for dear life with like one paw and trying to fight the winning raccoon with his other paw. And my friend said, oh no, that guy's gonna fall. And I was like, yeah, he's gonna fall. And then my friend said, oh, I can't let that happen. And he ran under the tree like this. and the raccoon fell, and he caught it, and then it changed its mind about who it wanted to fight. <laughs> and so the raccoon was biting him and scratching him, and uh, he was yelling and trying to push it off, but they're kind of stronger than they look, and so the frat boys thought quick and went into their house and came back with a tube of tennis balls, a bunch of tubes of tennis balls, and started just throwing tennis balls at the raccoon and my friend. <laughs> and the raccoon decided that was too much and it left. And so my friend was kind of bloody and cut up and I thought, might also have rabies? We should go to the hospital. And so we went to the hospital and I was being a good friend and I decided he like went in, triage and the doctors and everything. And, I was just waiting sort of in the waiting room to see what was gonna happen, make sure he was okay. And while I was waiting, uh, two police officers walk up to me and said, uh, hey, is your friend the guy who caught the raccoon because he didn't want it to die? And I was like, yeah. And then they said, can you say that into this walkie-talkie? No one at the station believes this. Uh, I like to read a lot. You guys like reading uh, books about rock stars, like rock biographies? Yeah. I, read the, uh, I read the Peter Criss biography, My Life as a Cat, I think that's what it's called. Peter Criss, of course, was the drummer of Kiss, the cat man. And uh, it's a pretty typical rock biography, right? Like he has sex with a bunch of groupies and he's really sexist about it. He has a drug problem and he's kind of like, not exactly apologetic about it. And he has a gun collection, uh, which again, no apologies. But the whole way through the book, there's this weird subplot where he keeps having uh, gay sex with Ace Freely. 
but acting like nothing happened. Like everybody does it. And uh, here are my favorite quotes about it. I kept note of them in my phone for you guys. So Kiss is just starting out and uh, they're doing like a little bit of touring and he's mostly hanging out with Ace because Paul and Gene don't like to drink, but Ace does. And he says, uh, he's hanging out with Ace and he says, we used to pull our cocks out all the time and yank on each other's cocks. We were young guys having a good time. <laughs> then of course, Kiss get a bit bigger and they're staying in hotels. And uh, one night, Peter's got a groupie in his hotel room, and then uh, who walks into the hotel room but good old Ace? <laughs> and Ace climbs under the blanket with them. And Peter says, uh, I don't know what he did under that blanket, but when he came out, I said, you're a sick fuck. <laughs> of course, because of the, the drinking, they both got kicked out of Kiss. And uh, so it's like the early 80s, they're not in Kiss anymore. And uh, he's talking about hanging out with Ace and drinking. And he says, uh, we'd be in the sauna and he'd pass out. His towel would fall off his body and he'd be naked with his big schlong hanging down. His big balls would be sweating and his mouth would be open. He looked like a giant dead tuna. <laughs> so Peter falls out of touch with Ace and uh, it's the early 90s and uh, he's dating a girl who knows a TV producer at HBO. And she asks him, uh, oh, do you want to do an audition for Oz? Do you want to be on the TV show Oz, like the prison show? And he gets really excited. And he goes, uh, I thought Oz was the coolest show on the planet. Where else could you see beatings, stabbings, and guys with their schlongs hanging down to the floor walking around? What single woman or gay guy wouldn't want to watch that show? And I was like, Peter Chris, is that who you think your audience is? Is just single women and gay guys? Because I am a married father and I have had a hard on for 350 pages. <laughs> All right, let's bring Beach back up here. Matt Collins, everybody, Matt Collins. That was great, Matt. And uh, where are you going to be next? You said Thursday, December 8th. Is that your show? Tuesday, December 8th Tuesday. at the Garrison. And uh, next Monday, I'm doing the Gene Darlene Comedy Hour at Milk Glass. Nice. It's a good show. And can people follow you on the Twitter? Yes, it's uh, at Mitch Bergini. At why? It's, uh, it's uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> follow Matt. Ladies and Matt Collins, when we come back, Eloquent will be here to perform. Stay where you are. Get ready, because on Thursday, December 3rd, the Long Winter Arts Festival in Toronto performs its annual takeover of the Art Gallery of Ontario. This year, Long Winter will transform the gallery into a broadcasting centre under the banner Long Winter TV. Headlining the event will be Toronto trash punk band VCR in their first ever museum performance. Additional music will be provided by DJ Moshe of Absolutely Free and Fly Lady Die of Hata. 
Featuring installations by Hoel Walinga, Amy Wong, transmedia storytelling artist Henri Fabergé, Maggie McDonald, videotape artist Chris Boney, the Heretical Objects Collective, Maria Bui, Natalie Bustet, and Daniel Rothstein, myself, and more. There's drinks, there's food, and much, much more. There's tickets available now. You can get more information about it at ago.net and torontolongwinter.com. Again, Long Winter takes over the AGO located at 317 Dundas Street West in Toronto on Thursday, December 3rd, starting at 7 p.m. Don't miss it! Everybody, we're back. Sorry for the delay. Thank. Whoa. Was that me? Was that my? Did something happen within me? That's amazing. I want to uh, mention a couple of quick things before we get to our uh, our musical guests tonight. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this show will be broadcast on a podcast called uh, Creative Control with Vishkana. That's me, and uh, you can learn more about it at vishkana.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at vishcreative. I'm very thrilled to introduce you to our next guest. He's going to be playing a main set a little bit later on tonight in this, in this building. And uh, he's a personal favorite of mine. He's from Guelph, where I live. And yeah, yeah, sure, cheer for the city. It's a great city, Guelph, Ontario. And uh, his, yeah, it has its moments, it's true. His new record is called Less Is More. It's going to be out December 4th on Urbnet. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Eloquent. Thank you. 
eloquent. Some more noise for Eloquent from Guelph, Ontario. The new record is Less Is More. It's out December 4th on Herbnet. And uh, do you know what time and where you're playing tonight? Here? That's, that's a very good question. I think it's like 10 p.m.? I think 10, yeah. 10 p.m. in the main hall. Is everyone going to go see Eloquent? All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. I'd like to thank uh, Eloquent again. I'd like to thank Matt Collins. Wasn't he hilarious, Matt Collins? And the great Desmond Cole. Thank you so much. All right, we'll see you, as I say, December 3rd at the AGO, December 12th, right back here at the Great Hall. Go circulate around the building, have some fun, and uh, make some more noise one last time for the bicycles. Good night, everybody. Coming up next on Creative Control with Vishkana, an in-depth interview with Canadian musician and artist Willie Thrasher. If you want to download episodes of this show and subscribe to the podcast, you can. We're on iTunes. We're also on audioboom.com, and you can find every episode of this show at vishkana.com as well. There's a Patreon page where you can make a flexible monthly donation and view T-shirts that we have for sale. Go to patreon.com and look up Creative Control at Vishkana. Similarly, you can look us up on Facebook. On Twitter, we're at Vish Creative. I am at Vishkana. And you can listen to a version of this show every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time via CFRU.ca around the world and CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph and the surrounding area. All right, that's it. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye for now. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 